the reality on the ground, if you look in terms of just the performance of, of US assets, uh, strongest bull market ever in terms of both the strength and the length of that bull market for the S&P, we just finally corrected after that. And the, uh, the, the justification for these valuations was basically a reach for yield that went on for 15 years. If I may add, it was also that the Fed was printing money like crazy and that, you know, you had no other alternative but to buy assets. But that's now changed, right? The Fed is now, you know. I think it's changed, but I, I, I do downplay, like, I think you are too, the, the ability of the Fed to control inflation. I don't think that the Fed has nearly as much power because what's pushing yields right now is not strength and economic growth. That, that was the case for the past 30 years. So when you saw a rise in the long rate, it was a reflection of the belief that the economy was stronger and that this was going to put modest upward pressure on, on, on prices, just, in, just a, a healthy inflation. That is not why rates are moving up today. Um, the problem, I think, for me is in, in looking at these algo efficient markets, you look at that chart, you sent me the same chart again, but it was the one that I referenced in the newsletter. I think it was the third one. Yeah, I know the one you're talking about. It's the interest rates where they're discounted and, and CPI, basically. Yeah. So I know how these models work just because I spent so many years building them. Um, and what you're seeing is a reversion to the mean in macroeconomic implied prices for, for, for these bonds um, and inflation protected bonds. And these are wrong. These are wrong because we're in a new regime and knowing these, these quants and knowing how these banks and hedge funds go about building these models, they're in the process right now of extending back the, uh, the timeframe upon which they estimated these models. And the reason why is because they know they're in a new regime because the CPI prints that we have right now haven't been around for past few decades, right? So I think it's a combination of that quant adjustment um, but in addition to that, you also just have general sentiment that's driving higher discount rates. So the more scary things happen and the more you see breakdowns generally and the longer supply chain issues continue to be an issue, like the more you start to see things like what happened in Canada with, you know, manipulating some old law to basically freeze funds from people that weren't getting vaccinated and territory being taken violently by military conflicts like the more you see that i think the more you're generally going to see higher risk premiums applied across the board um i think cpi is a manifestation of that uh, right and, and i think we're going to keep seeing um surprises to the downside in terms of those um kind of geopolitical and, and social risks. Yep, I think so. Just given where we are in terms of the wealth gap and um, 
in terms of politically how how, how divided, at least at least in the U.S., um, how politically divided the U.S. is. Yeah. Well, that was that was basically ten pages of the third newsletter was laying out the situation that the U.S. is in, and essentially planting my flag in the ground that the ultimate determinant of inflation is the electorate being willing to actually elect officials that are willing to compromise and listen again because the amount that's being printed now like they it's not even so much about just uh you know handouts during the pandemic even when it was clear that that wasn't even needed um but now it's just the the general entitlement reforms and all the other various ways that spending is on autopilot right so we kept raising that debt ceiling but the money is still flowing in right uh, all these obligations are still causing more and more debt. And so, you know, this is, uh, this is, this is the turning point, I think. There was, people were, were predicting and worrying about asset prices for quite some time, like 15 years, basically. Um, and there was justification only to the extent that one could justify bond prices, but you couldn't even really justify bond prices going all the way back to 2016. Um, right. But, but, okay. and to speak to that a little bit more, I, th I think the reason that this time is different is the inflation, right? Yes, exactly. Um, and, and, and the exactly fact that it's, right. it's hitting, it's hitting the, the bottom 50% of Americans really hard and they're really feeling the effects of it. And so the fed can no longer, you know, do quantitative easing to no end, um, and just benefit the one percent who own the, the 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 broad majority of all assets. It's uh, not going to work, and, yeah. and just ignore the inflation. It's not going to work. Yeah, there's there's other reasons too that are more like I'd say like timeable. And here I'll bring in Brandon too. Hey, Brandon, how's it going? Um, I just sent an invite to to speak. Um, but. Like, so, so take, take the refinancing that's happened, right? So like the 20% of, of, of companies, um, are zombie companies now, right? Where they're paying more interest than they have in money coming in for, for, for profits. Right. And this has been able to continue on for, for 20 years. The money that's been used to refinance these companies is basically what they've been doing is they've been refinancing over and over and over and over and over again. Just like people that pay off credit cards using a new credit card. That's what's been going on in corporate America for 20 years. And that the money that's available to keep that refinancing going, given that the yields on these junk bonds and leveraged loans is like three, 3.5%. The, the, the differential there to actual CPI, like the money is going to, is gone. They're not going to be able to refinance again. Not, not for a long time, probably not forever. Like I, I don't see a way that, 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 that actually, um, the only way that, that we're going to be able to get out of that is basically from either allowing these bankruptcies to keep hitting because they're going to start hitting, um, or if that starts to tank the economy, which it probably will, then the Fed's basically going to have to come in and somehow take over these assets and sell them off in a way that isn't inflationary, which is going to be hard because a lot of people are going to lose their jobs. So, yeah, I don't think it's good, man.
Jesus. <laughs> That's so crazy to think of. What What do you see as a tipping point of those of those junk bonds and the, those bankruptcies? The, the tipping like, point is now. You know, obviously. The tipping well, point is now. They can't refinance. Right. Right. Just like they no. Can't, they can't refinance, right. and and you basically have pullback from like the sentiment is sentiment right now. Consumer sentiment is extremely low, and interest rates just went up a lot to the point that people are actually. Like it's it's dampening home home demand, so like we're looking at a scenario that could very well be, uh, like a, a maybe not a recession but close. And they can't refinance because credit markets are tight have tightened up, or they or you know or that, like no no one will lend to them and re no, take out yeah, their loans and, and put nobody's nobody's going to be lending to these, like a, like a, it's slowing down now, but it's going to be gone soon. This is my prediction, but it's coming from a, a, this was, this, this is my greatest area of expertise. The credit markets and the liquidity, like lenders specifically are drying leverage, up. Specifically leverage. So I was briefing like leadership and for the U.S. government on banking leverage and was the liaison of the Bank of International Settlements talking about this for the past decade. Right. This, it, this is bad. And, and, and so basically... Yeah, the credit credit markets are they haven't they haven't collapsed yet, um, but you're seeing the slow, steady grind down. You're seeing it in junk bonds. You're and you're starting to see it now in leveraged loans because the 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 duration is longer. So that's why those. Uh, but let me just put it this way: with these leveraged loans, the current yield is three point two percent. Three point two percent, and these companies are junk rated. But because they had so much debt, they had to go back to the public markets through bank syndicates to get a leveraged loan. That's a, that, that means that not only are you junk rated, but you have so much debt, we have to give you a new name called leveraged loans, right? This like is a the jumbo, Like a jumbo mortgage type of, like more debt than you probably should take on, but like we're gonna give it to you anyway type of thing. But at 3.2% average yield. Without even a nice rate this is, to, to afford There's it. no, like the, yeah, the expected, I was calculating the expected eventual default rates of, of BKLN even before the pandemic. And it was something like maybe around 5% over the next, like over the duration of these, of, of these loans. So like over like 10 years. So Joe. On average. Here's a scenario for you. Let's say that. Uh, spreads widen significantly and we, we end up in a situation where it's similar to the pandemic correction where there's just no bid for a lot of this stuff. Does the Fed then, you know, in spite of the inflation, move towards a, a corporate bond buying program similar to what we saw in the pandemic? Or do they simply just, uh, do they just let spreads blow out? I mean, w yeah. what are your thoughts on that? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's a great question. So here's the problem now with inflation they can't do a bond buying program without causing more inflation. The bond buying program was printing money to buy bonds. So any government action at this point to try to stifle the blow of these hits is deeply constrained by the inflation problem because almost everything that they can do involves spending money. Right. Is there only... Real plan A, typically.
Yeah, these company. The only reason why these companies kept getting funding is because the it's it's very similar to the mortgage market and what happened. That basically the people that were investing in mortgage bonds that had all the subprime, they didn't even know because it was wrapped inside this wrapper, which was wrapped inside this wrapper, and that's exactly the way that these leveraged loans are too. They're basically wrapped inside of a giant like package. And they're being bought by global investors buying ETFs because we basically had this 20 year period where nothing bad happened. So they're not even looking at them. It's on an autopilot. And these ETFs are holding individual companies and, and securities and small caps and mid caps and all sorts of, right? Well, specifically for leveraged loans, it's a giant, you know, big basket of basically these junk rated companies that have ridiculous amounts of debt. Right. So it's it's that debt. So that's the thing. There's no even upside to this. Like the best case scenario. Yeah, I don't know why anyone would want to hold that long. It doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't make any sense. Like in order for like the actual price of this without even much risk premium, if you were actually looking at like a reasonably priced given the CPI prints and given the, the credit and the actual expected defaults over the maturity of these loans, it should be around like 13% yield. Right. And that wouldn't even be great. That would just be reasonable. So right. this is all, this is why the Fed came in as soon as the pandemic hit and started backstopping the corporate debt market. That's why we were shorting it going into it. We're like, well, this is the crappiest stuff out there. Yeah, it's, I think that with that overhanging, given the, given the break in so many things, uh, especially that break in the S&P. Wow, people were freaking out when we were down 3% from the peak. Like they've completely forgotten what risk feels like. 